Hello and welcome to Humans Beyond Resources, an HR podcast by Reverb where we cover topics from culture to compliance. Reverb believes that every decision a leader makes reverberates throughout the organization, from hiring your first employee to training your entire workforce. We believe in building healthy, inclusive cultures that engage your team. I'm your host, Sarah Wilkins. Welcome back. In today's episode, we are talking about creating a culture of caring and a human-friendly workplace. As a working parent and one experiencing caregiving on a daily basis, this topic is very personal and one I feel can be addressed with some tactical steps that will help with retention and burnout. As a caregiver, I want to do my best work and be a present parent for my daughter. I used to believe this wasn't all possible at once or was left feeling burnout trying. Finding a human-friendly workplace in Reverb showed me it was possible by making some small but important changes. Keep listening if you want to make your workplace more human-friendly but aren't sure where to start. First, I want to start by defining what human-friendly means. I shared my personal experience of needing a family-friendly workplace, but to be human-friendly, we look beyond those in caregiver roles, which span everything from childcare to elder care, to how we can set up a work environment that works no matter what is happening in the employee's life. An important foundation to have a human-friendly workplace is to create a culture of caring. According to the Caring Company study, in the absence of supportive care culture, employees worry that admitting to caregiving responsibilities penalizes their career growth. This creates an environment where employees might be struggling with performance, productivity, and wellness, but you as an employer won't know and can't adequately support them. This likely includes not just caregiving employees, but other employees that have things going on in their lives as well. We all want to create a workplace that is inclusive and allows people to do their best work in a way that works for them. There are a few tactical things you can implement to create a more inclusive environment for your employees, which include flexible working hours, which is a simple change and can have a great impact on your team. Providing flexibility on when someone signs on to work or is available allows those with other responsibilities to do things like pick up children from school or take elder parents to a doctor's appointment without fear of being seen as not available or not productive. To help make this successful, ensure you create an asynchronous work environment that allows people to stay informed and pick up work without needing to meet or leave someone out. Second, look at your leave policies and make sure they're inclusive. The U.S. does not offer family leave, caregiver leave, or bereavement leave at a national level. While some states are implementing their own state-level programs, there's still a large gap to fill. As an employer, you can set up leave policies that are inclusive. For example, have a new parent leave policy that's inclusive of anyone in a caregiving role associated with a new birth or adoption not just a birthing parent. Or you can implement a bereavement policy that is more broadly defined as all immediate relationships versus immediate family. You can also include pregnancy loss and miscarriage in your bereavement policies to support employees going through difficult fertility journeys. I interviewed a couple Reverb team members to hear how they've helped Reverb or other clients create a human-friendly workplace. First up, I'm talking with Michelle Fink, Reverb's Director of Operations, on how she set up Reverb with a more asynchronous work environment to support our flexible working schedules. 
Our team at Reverb is spread across time zones and provides a flexible work environment. So having these mechanisms in place was important. Michelle, what did you do at Reverb and what other recommendations do you have for companies in similar situations? I have a few key things that we've done that I believe have the highest impact for the team. And the first thing is ensuring we have the right tools in place. We started with a free CRM, HubSpot, and Google, which has all the collaborative tools you might need to start out. And as we prepared for growth and as we were financially able, uh, we've added on more tools that enable that remote work and uh, work that is collaborative. So things like Slack for quick messaging and less email. We use Pandadoc, which is our contract software that integrates with our CRM. And my current obsession, Notion, which started as a project management tool, but we use it for so much more now. And whatever the tools may be that meet your business needs, having these tools that serve as a vehicle for virtual collaboration it's reduced meetings for us and it can eliminate some meetings altogether. So everyone can jump in during their working hours and contribute. So everything keeps moving along and we're no longer waiting on the next meeting to continue progressing. And we're not waiting on someone to send an email update. The first thing, the tools you're using is something you want to take a look at. I love that you shared that because just yesterday we had an example where we were able to eliminate a meeting because of our um, tool like Notion that we're using to keep track of status and updates and things like that. So anyone can go in any time and get the information they need. And I'm sure everybody's excited to get that hour back on their day too. Yeah, I love hearing that. And the next thing I focus on is documentation. And sometimes it can be documentation of the way you're using the tools together, uh, but mainly documenting processes or policies um, to ensure you're working in a time zone agnostic way. And we make documentation accessible to anyone who might need it. And we give access and visibility to as much information as possible. And within reason, of course, taking into account any confidentiality concerns, but this allows individuals to self-serve. And if everyone knows to be using the tools in the same way, it can be very effective. Documentation is an ongoing responsibility though. Maintaining these takes time, but it's so important and it empowers employees. It supports their autonomy and it supports the business and continuity of the business. So I'm constantly working on updating documentation of our processes and making more and more resources available. One thing I wanted to share that we've always done uh, and improved upon year over year is documenting our internal rhythm of business. And I believe it's critical to creating an asynchronous workplace where we don't rely on any one individual to remember these recurring items that they own or that others own that need to be taken care of to keep the trains running, so to speak. It's all documented and calendared. And this year, I'm working on segmenting this into business groups to make it more digestible for teams. And they might not need to see the big picture all at once and and they can see their organizational unit or just the things that they own and they'll be able to do that. That's great. I really like not having a single point of failure. That's always one of my biggest concerns. Um, so having you know that set up and documented is amazing. Exactly. So 
The last thing that ties all of this together nicely is in a bow is fostering a culture of communication. I love and appreciate over communication. I model it regularly as well as encourage it. And so do other leaders on the team. So naturally it has become part of our culture. And if we're keeping everyone in the loop who just might play a part in an initiative or a project or a decision, then we're ensuring that information is constantly flowing so that everyone can do the work they need to do. And in some cases, they'll chime in to mitigate any potential issues or downsides thanks to that proactive FYI that someone gave. And by over-communicating, we're also getting input from team members that we might not otherwise have received. And individuals have all this information instead of bits and pieces to make those decisions or form their opinions. Those decisions are more well thought out and ultimately help the company grow in a positive direction. I like pointing this out because this really increases diversity of opinions. And as we know, diversity of opinions can strengthen teams and lead to better results. So implementing something like this can really improve your business. Yeah. And the last thing, Sarah, that I want to share before leaving is just that we're all working with people, so we want to be respected and included. And I have a quick list of things that you can start doing right now. And one is normalizing scheduling Slack messages or emails within your coworker's time zone. It's the respectful thing to do, and we can start doing that today. The next is uh, when setting meeting times or informal virtual gatherings, depending on the time differences you have across your team, set a time that overlaps for everyone or uh, rotate the times of some kind of recurring meeting to make those meetings more convenient for all time zones. Then the next is if you have something that doesn't have confidential information in it, then share it. And Take the time to spend time as just people. Working virtually can start to be more transactional if you don't make an intentional effort to build relationships with others. And we need to continue to build those relationships to build trust. So just take the time to hold those virtual water coolers, have some fun check-ins on Slack, do a virtual holiday toast, and if you're able, do some in-person events. Thank you so much, Michelle. This advice is really helpful and practical. Um, and I know it's something people can take away and implement today. So thank you again. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm super passionate about setting up processes that enable our team. And I just really hope this helps others. Next, I chatted with Kim Freeman, a Reverb Senior People Operations Consultant on how she supported clients in creating inclusive leave policies. Welcome, Kim. Thank you so much, Sarah. Happy to be here. Kim, what are some best practices you'd share in creating inclusive leave policies in your experience? Sure. So I think the overarching um, encompassing theme should be that this policy should, should nurture flexibility and trust among the employees, right? You know, when organizations are considering leave policies, that they consider all of their workers all of the different family types and cultures and things that are important to different groups of people. Um, organizations should be generous, but realistic. So, and trying to encompass all of the leave 
plans within a policy, bottom line is organizations have to consider financial considerations um, when they're implementing these programs. So absolutely be generous, but also take into consideration the budget um, that you have when you're implementing these policies. And in terms of having an inclusive policy, consider having that one policy that includes personal time, sick time, vacation time, compassionate leave, parental, like all of those things, consider those um, when you're factoring in all the components that go along with the leave program, um, consider those things so that you nurture um, that spirit of, of trusting your employees to do the right things in terms of requesting time off because in times past and years past, a lot of times when organizations had separate leave plans, like for example, sick leave versus vacation, when you have just a bucket of time rather than saying, oh, I have sick time, so I'm just gonna call in and I'm gonna take sick time, even though I'm really not sick, so when organizations consider PTO or having that one bucket of time, it encourages employees to use their time. And you know, with post COVID and all of the things that went along with COVID and employees getting burned out and all of those things, having that one bucket of time and having leaders who are supportive of having the one bucket of time, also encouraging their employees to take time away from work so that they can decompress and they can recharge and be ready when that lead time is over. Pointed out so many good things and I love how, yeah, just workers in different stages of their lives or Absolutely. what families look like. And then the trust is huge. I think Absolutely. I was talking to someone recently about bereavement leave and, and just not requiring your employees to tell you who they right. lost and uh -huh. trusting that they're using the time because they need it. Um, so I think I really love that you pointed out. Yeah. Just having trust in your employees. Absolutely. That is a factor that oftentimes gets missed um, when employers are creating these plans. And, you know, oftentimes they go into it as though we don't want to spend X amount of dollars because we know employees are going to abuse it. Like you don't want to go into it with that mindset. You want to go into it that the mission um, that the organization is on is important to the people who are working for them and that they're going to use their time wisely for whatever reason they choose to use it. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. What is something that companies often miss when setting up these leave policies? Sure. So one thing in particular regarding parental leave is to have that gender neutral policy as opposed to having paternity leave and maternity leave. Let's just call it parental leave. Because oftentimes when you set it up with paternity versus maternity, oftentimes you miss a big segment of the population, those employees who are adopting. And so you want to make sure that you have, you know, the language. Yes, it's gender neutral when you say parental. However, it is also inclusive of all family types. So mm -hmm. that's one piece. And then one huge piece of the parental policies that are missed is uh, compassionate leave. So if a family has a pregnancy that does not result in having a baby and just giving families, employees, the opportunity to process through that grief, 
that's a piece that I've seen in a number of policies that have been missed or even adoptive families where the adoption falls through last minute, just providing that extra time for them to process through that. Thank you for pointing that out. And that's absolutely yeah. something I think that is missed, but it's it's still something so important um, for people to be able to take the time away and process that that loss. Absolutely. And, and, and then even in conjunction with that, when um, families are transitioning back into work, employees are transitioning back, whether it was a uh, birth or whether it was an adoption, whatever that addition of child, however it came to be, oftentimes, you know, we provide the bonding time uh, to families, but when it's time to transition back into work, it's like, okay, leave is over. And there's no gradual or graduated return. And I've seen um, one organization in particular who offers graduated return to work for the families. And I think that has been a huge uh, win for this particular organization because the, um, you know, the employee, whether it's a male employee or a female employee or they, them employee, they appreciate the fact that they don't have to just one day say, okay, I've got to leave my baby and I have to go back into work, as opposed to a, an organization allowing them, you know, up to a certain number of PTO hours to still transition back into work, because maybe there's a concern with child care, the child care is only available 20 hours for a certain period of time, and that sort of thing, or even just leaving the baby um, in a daycare setting and the family is not ready for that. And so maybe they, you know, they're ready for 10 hours a week or 20 hours, but just being able to not have to be forced into returning right away, you know, and starting a child in daycare and all of those things. So that's another piece that graduated return to work um, for parents. Yeah, that brought me back to six years ago when I was uh -huh. returning to work after my leave. And yeah, wow. just having that time, it's a hard time, right? It's, to yeah, come back yeah. and mm -hmm. to go full force back into work. And yeah. so being able to come in part time or, yeah. or work out a schedule to get yourself up to, you know, back to that right. full time if that's where you want to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Kim. Any other final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? I think the only thing I would say is how I started. So how I started the messaging, let's nurture flexibility and trust. Let's do that. Let's consider all workers, um, whether it's temporary, part-time, full-time, whatever that is, all worker categories and all family types. And then also let's Let's be generous, but also let's be financially responsible or fiscally responsible and be realistic based on our budgets. Great. Thank you so much, Kim. This is really great insight. I know many companies can kind of take these things and put them in place at their company. So thank you. Absolutely. You're very welcome. Finally, I talked to Reverb CEO, Michaela Kiner, on how to create a culture of caring and spread that throughout the organization. Welcome, Michaela. It's Thanks good to for have you. Me. Yeah, absolutely. Michaela, uh, Reverb has the culture of caring. How have you incorporated that into the culture? Yeah, I love this question because um, we spend so much time together at work. And so I just think how we treat one another is so important. Um, the first thing I think is really, it is just emphasizing that. And for us, you know, we've made kindness one of our values. And so I think actually having something in the values itself that speaks to um, how people treat one another and what that expectation is, is really important. 
Um, also looking for that when we interview and when we hire um, to make sure that, that it is a priority for everyone that we bring onto the team, just like it is um, for us here in the organization. And then I think just even really small actions make a difference. And so recognizing people and um, thanking people, making sure that there is a safe space for people to share if something um, difficult is going on for them, either at work or personally, and just making sure that we're really here to acknowledge that and give people the time and space and support um, that they need to just, you know, kind of deal with everyday struggles and challenges. That's great. Thank you. And I think all those things really point to creating kind of a psychologically safe workspace and having that culture of caring leads to safety at work. Yeah, it really does. And I think it's interesting. I can't remember when psychological safety, you know, when that exact term was coined. And so, um, you know, I think there are things that are important and have been important. And then that framework really crystallizes it and helps have, you know, almost more of um, intention or more of a methodology, but you're absolutely right. Just creating um, that safety, as you said, is really key. And then I think of the opposite of like, who, who would want to work anywhere that did not have psychological safety or why, right? Why would we make that choice? Assuming that we have a choice to make. Yeah. And then my last question is, do you have any advice for leaders on how they can create a culture of caring and ensure it spreads throughout the levels of the organization? You mentioned a couple of things previously, but anything else you would share there? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing when it comes to leadership is really role modeling. So that idea of walking the talk. And I think this is hard for some leaders, though, because we might be good at demonstrating or expressing care for others, but this is where also um, taking care of yourself is really important. And so showing people that you do take vacation or you know, maybe it's that you're not on email weekends and evenings or when you're sick, um, you're not coming to work, right? And so some leaders push themselves really hard. And I think it's easy to forget that people are listening not only to what you say, people are really watching your behaviors and it does um, give them permission to do the same. So just a quick story, but I did kind of my own 360 feedback a few years ago now. And it was really interesting because in the comments, there was more than one of people encouraging me, like I do take vacation and I do spend family time, but it was like, take more, you know, we want to see you take even more vacation or we want to see you, you know, take even more time with your family. And I thought that was so great because sometimes as a leader, it's so common to ask, you know, am I um, doing enough? Like, am I working hard enough? Am I setting that tone? But it was just a great reminder that kind of setting that opposite tone is equally important and people really need to see you doing that in order to feel like it's okay to do that themselves. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think you model that so well, and it's allowed me to do the same things like the nights and weekends and, you know, taking the time off without feeling guilty. I think you've been a great model of that behavior at Reverb. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's kind of funny to go like, well, what's your superpower? Well, it's, you know, going on vacation, <laughs> which is really, I mean, if you're going to do one thing, it's a really fun thing to be able to do. Um, and I love that it's meaningful to people. Like I never you know, thought of it that way, I guess, until I heard that from the team. So happy, happy to role model some work-life balance. That's great. Thank you so much. And thanks again for um, your insights on this questions.
All right. My pleasure. There were so many great takeaways from my conversations with Michelle, Kim, and Michaela. But to summarize, some key words or things that I took away were really about flexibility, trust, communication, and respect. By incorporating these things and designing with that in mind, you can have a human-friendly workplace as well. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Humans Beyond Resources. Visit ReverbPeople.com to find free resources, subscribe to our newsletter, and connect with our team. If you haven't already, subscribe to stay up to date on all of our upcoming episodes. We look forward to having you as part of our community.